0: This is Brain Fuzz. The art, music, and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. Today, a Brain Fuzz first, simulcasting on K Chung Radio. Joe and Matthew are joined by curator Rachel Reese to talk about museums, Savannah, studio visits, and the life of a curator. This is episode 17.
1: Deep dive in Savannah, Georgia. We're simulcasting on K Chung Radio. More about that in a minute. I'm Matthew White. This is Joe Camusa. Hi. And whether you are listening live on K Chung right now or sometime in the future, you can learn more about us at BrainFuzzPodcast.com or be part of the dialogue with hashtag BrainFuzzPodcast. We're in conversation with Rachel Reese associate curator of modern and contemporary art at Telfair Museums. Rachel, I'm glad we could do this. Thanks for sitting down with us.
0: I'm so glad you guys came to Savannah. (laughs) Welcome. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Now, when we were first talking about getting together some time ago, you brought up the K-Chung Project. Tell us about it, how it came together, how it came together here at Telfair.
0: Sure. Well, we are now in our last week uh, of the K-Chung Radio Residency here with Telfair Museums. Um, So K-Chung Radio is an all-volunteer member-based radio cooperative uh, in Los Angeles, and they were founded in 2011 in Chinatown. Um, And over the past six years, they have grown into an organization that has over 200 members, Um, And they have about that many radio programs every month on K-Chung. You can get involved as much or as little as you like or have time for. um, And you can propose a show. And the great thing about it is that it is hyper-community radio. Uh, They don't censor or vet anything. So all opinions, voices, interests, perspectives are welcome. Um, And so that way it becomes a really democratic um, platform for sharing your voice with other people.
1: Yeah, we just, I, we actually walked through, we had about an hour or so to walk through, see some of uh, the work here, and you, you're you just doing a great, great job. Thank you. Yeah, enjoyed it. Right now, on view, Nick Cave. How long is Nick Cave's work going to be here?
0: Nick Cave is on view through April 23rd, so just a few more weeks. Um, how, what was your favorite work in the show? Uh,
1: I took pictures of, t- actually stunning when you walk in. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely stunning, that display
0: yeah so that seven part sound suit called speak louder right is what really first kind of hits you when you walk into the gallery space i think we did that on purpose but um yeah that's a really great um uh you know tableau that you kind of um, hit with when you go through the door
1: loved it loved it so you've got uh you've got k chung going right now you've got nick cave what's what's coming up next I'm just curious.
0: Um, After uh, Nick Cave, we're opening a William Wegman exhibition in that gallery space. So William Wegman, um, known for his beloved uh, Weimaraners that he's collaborated with um, since 1970. Um, But the exhibition is called Improved Photographs, and um, what I'm kind of doing with that show is... um, creating a connection between the many different types of work that he's made over the past almost 50 years. So he started with early conceptual videos in black and white, so we'll have some of those on view. Um, Some of his early um, altered photographs um, when he was taking his own images and painting and drawing back on top of them. Um, His postcard paintings, which he started making around 1990, Um, along with some of the large format polaroids of his Weimaraners, but, um, kind of the idea of the exhibition is how, um, he's made these many different bodies of work, but how his hand as an artist is evident in all of them.
1: Joe, you had some specific questions about the curator brain.
2: Yeah, I just was really uh, interested to hear about the progression, and just in terms of you know, like so, undergrad painting, mm-hmm. correct? Graduate, MFA, and sculpture.
1: Yes. Um,
2: kind of. Uh, yeah, there's been different takes. Uh, we've spoken with people that are, you know that have pursued curating from the get-go, and then those have just kind of um, fallen into it.
0: Well, yeah, I, I thought I was going to be an artist and that I wanted to be an artist, and so I s- pursued studio art, uh, painting at University of Georgia, and then um, moved to New York after undergrad and went to school at City College in New York City and studied sculpture. Uh, but I think when I was in grad school, I became most interested in leading the critiques and talking to my fellow um, studio mates about what they were working on uh-huh. and how to frame their work. Um, and I started putting together uh, exhibitions uh, in the gallery space of the school. Um, so I think I became much more interested in the dialogue that we can have about art making as a form of communication, maybe. And um, so as soon as I graduated, um, I never really made any artwork. I, I maybe made a few things. I was in one exhibition the year after I graduated, but um, I started a publication of artist right. writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm and um, kind of pursued that path and at the same time uh, started a project space. So um, I think very quickly I went on the other, the other path of curating, but I'm not an academic curator, so I always like to think of myself as um, being able to empathize with the artist's position right. and, um, and to frame that into an interesting conversation.
2: Was the writing always there for you, or is that something...
0: Yeah, I've always enjoyed writing.
2: Okay. Um,
0: I remember in high school, one of my English teachers wanted me to, to be a literature major and wanted me to write. Um, and I always enjoyed writing um, uh, in college and in grad school. So I think it was, you know, it took me 10 years of my professional career to find a position where I was able to put, piece it all together, really. Um, you know, from working with artists, uh, writing about art and publishing. Right. Um you know, the education component, mm-hmm. right? Public speaking, um, fundraising. I was in, I worked in commercial galleries and did sales for many years and on the financial side of uh, the art market. Um, so, So you, I mean, that
1: yeah. Yeah. All it. It doesn't get in that. that. piece is so interesting to me because that life, mm-hmm. did you, was there a moment where you, that was not for you? You just decided I'm moving on?
0: Like working in a commercial gallery? Yeah. Yeah, I was never really a great salesman. <laughs> okay. In the sense of, you know, it's really an unregulated market. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the art world, and it's a, a playground for the rich. And so, um, I did not grow up and have that background.
1: And so, sure.
0: and I think a lot of times, you know, working in the arts, uh, you get a lot of people who, for lack of a better phrasing, they <laughs> they grew up go. entitled. Right, and so Ooh. it's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah. it's yeah. very true. Yeah. You
0: know, like you have to have access to those things to, um, to be able to even enter the playing field. Sometimes.
2: Oh, it ain't cheap, folks.
0: <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> but, it's, yeah. not. it's not. I um, so I needed. You know, doing sales was not necessarily my thing, but doing um, the finances I thought was really interesting. So I was the financial director at Deitch Projects. For right. two years. The last, his last two years as a gallerist in New York, so...
2: And, um, uh, what an education. Talk <laughs> about, like, that's like a, a PhD, you it know, is. doctorate. And, yeah. um, and that's probably the most important component, you know, and no matter what level you are on the food chain in terms of... Definitely. The financials, to be able to continue. Um,
1: wow. So, on the creative side, did you... Did you just turn that bit off? Do you still... You have the urge to create. You no. <laughs> you don't. No. Really?
2: Yeah. But you're creating in terms of your yeah. writing and the pieces that you're. It's almost like the, the tools have changed. Right. In yeah. Absolutely. A sculpture. You're actually putting right you know, exhibitions together, which is a just a, even more to think about. Right. Um, like, yeah, I was wondering that, like, you know, on the weekends, like, when you want to relax? Do you like, oh, I think I'll spend the weekend in the studio? I mean, no, I would definitely think, not. Right, I would... That
0: went away really quickly. I think I was always interested in the arts, and I felt like it was the correct path for me going into studio art, but I always felt like I had this major burden of I didn't know what to make, and I think when I think back on it, I was most drawn to art as an intellectual pursuit okay. um, for uh, thinking about why... Why do humans make objects like mm-hmm. art objects mm-hmm. in the world, right? And how do they, how are they useful tools for connecting to the times in which we live? I've never missed making making anything. I still, I haven't, uh, you know, done my publication in a while, but I, I do miss that. But I have not. I don't have any interest plans in making that? an art object at all.
2: Future plans for publication?
0: Not really. You I mean, know,
2: probably a time.
0: Yeah, we've always talked about doing a like an anthology, but I don't. It's not really a priority. I think it had its moment in time, and um, we've moved on from it.
2: Because uh, the
0: other. But thing- I love publishing, and yeah. um, you know, I think doing more of a catalog program here at the museum is of interest to me, and small run artist books or photo books. Um, those would definitely be of interest to me.
2: I was just kind of thinking talking about artist-run spaces earlier and um I don't know if it's fair to say that you know would you consider you were kind of ahead of the curve on that in terms of maybe that mindset uh you know if you don't have access to say galleries or what have you that you say fine we'll, we'll build our own space because mm-hmm. uh, now it just seems like it, the artist-run spaces are exploding yeah you know in Atlanta I don't know how is it how is it here in Savannah
0: there aren't really many operating in savannah right now i think in the from what people have told me in the um late 90s i think there was a slew of them here uh, when scad was more formative but um right now there aren't really there many spaces there's a few um homes that do projects or um kind of house shows Mm -hmm. um but it's not really part of the culture here in savannah Okay. And I think it kind of has to be part of the city's culture. I think Atlanta just kind of picked up on it in the past few years, because even when I was not living in Atlanta, there weren't really any, which, you know, kind of baffled me, you know, yeah. this whole, uh, you know, if you're aggravated that there aren't spaces to show your work, then I just always assumed as artists, you would make it happen, even if it was in someone's Absolutely. living room. Absolutely, yeah, you have to. Um... So obviously it's always been a part of the culture in New York because real estate is always part of the conversation in New York. Um, But we were fortunate to get um, kind of this hybrid studio space and it just kind of fell into our lap at the right time Mm -hmm. and place. And um, yeah, I think it was a certain moment in time that when we were living in New York and in Philadelphia um, that we were kind of lucky.
1: So we were talking earlier about we had lunch. We had some pho before the uh, Flying
0: Monk Noodle Bar sponsored this edition of Brain Fuzz
1: (laughs) (laughs) and um, we were talking about the unique relationship here Um, you you know it's a tourist town you've got the cruise ship thing going and yet SCAD is right here the students as you're walking along the streets they're they're all in and out. I was in a coffee shop earlier today. And I saw a brilliant illustrator just working at the bar, you know, having coffee, headphones on. And it's an interesting mix to have the tourists, the mm-hmm. the um, the creative element, just part of the lifeblood. Just walking around the streets, you see it.
0: Yeah, it kind yeah. of gives Savannah this cosmopolitan feel.
1: Yeah.
0: Like a more international feel, even than a, different from Atlanta, but, um, you know, thinking about our museum here, our audiences, um, what I learned, cause I've been here a year and a half now, so I'm still kind of, um, getting myself up to speed is that 80% of our audience here is our one time tourists.
1: Really? Who come through the doors yeah. once. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, but they're curious. I mean, people coming to Savannah are looking for these types of, uh, cultural experiences. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so we're busy all year long.
1: Um, so the Jepsen here is just a beautiful space. You were saying earlier to work in this space, to have this light. It's, it just must be a fantastic place to work. But the Jepsen is one of, let's see, three pieces under the Telfair Museum's umbrella.
0: Mm-hmm. So the Jepsen Center is the 11-year um, uh, edition. So it was built in... Um, 2006, uh, well, open to the public in 2006 and built by Moshe Safdie, um, infamous, uh, Israeli-American architect, and, uh, we have two other buildings. We have the Telfair Academy, which was, um, Mary Telfair's home, um, and the oldest public art museum in the South, and, um, was originally called the Telfair Academy of Arts and Sciences, so that's just across Telfair Square, um, and that houses, um, our, uh, let's say, late 19th, early 20th century American painting collection. Um, our, we have a lot of um, plaster casts. Uh, a lot of the collection that came through our museum's first director, Carl Brant, um, things that he collected on his travels to Europe. And, um, and then a few squares down, we have the Owens-Thomas House, which is a historic house museum um, that uh, is very busy with interpretive tours Um, you know we talk about the decorative arts in the American South there Mm -hmm. Um, we have an urban slave quarters at the back of that property and we're working on a really big reinterpretation project which is really exciting um, and thinking about uh, the ways that we tell stories over there and incorporate um, many narratives rather than continue to tell the same narrative Mm -hmm. uh, or same perspective so um, we have um, a pretty big staff over there they're busy all day long
2: Photographs in the exhibition upstairs yeah. were fantastic of that space. I loved that.
1: Yeah, loved it.
2: Need to get over there.
1: And the um, oh alright. We should talk about the South issue.
2: <laughs> okay. You want to? We can't get bleeped here. Let's do it. Let's um do it.
1: so
0: I'm really loud in the atrium. A right complaint. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear
1: A complaint <laughs> <laughs> A complaint we've had in the past, we've discussed much of it has been cut. Will appear on the Brain Fuzz uh, box set. Much of it has been, <laughs> much of it has been cut from um, from our episodes. But you know, we've talked about the struggle of. <laughs> there's always this new South show, or there's this, mm-hmm. um, oh, a
2: spate of exhibitions about mm-hmm. the South.
1: People come in from other What's places.
0: The, one the, the Nasher, or maybe it moved from the Nasher. Yeah, the yeah. Southern accent.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I understand. I understand the need to explore art uh, from a regional standpoint. I understand the reason to do that, but Joe, help me out here. You always say, "Well," and I've said
2: this so many times. Uh, and I'm tired of saying it, but like you don't see shows that, like in New York about. New York. You know, I know, someone of course is going to be. Well, here's one, you idiot But uh, it it's just called Greater New York. But it it's just, not really. It. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like it, we, it, it. devolves into like these myths and stereotypes of you know the, the gothic, the Southern mm-hmm. gothic, and um, I don't know. It just seems Different, like, over like the These play, like you know? archetypes
0: we want to place on geography or like mythic.
1: Is it, is it just a convenient cubbyhole to put things in? Is that what it is? or nostalgia. I mean, I feel like the nostalgia button I think, is just... I
0: think both. You know, I went to Atlanta a few weeks ago and um, went to this focus group with South Arts uh, uh-huh. organization, yeah. and they wanted to talk about the state of visual arts in the South, and Veronica, uh, the executive director of Atlanta Contemporary, was there, and Justin Rabideau, the director at the Zuckerman Museum from Kennesaw State
1: was yeah. there.
0: Um, but we had the same conversation because they wanted to talk about what visual arts looks like in the American South and um, how we classify it. And so our conversation centered around, um, well, num- number one, contemporary artists don't want to be referred to as visual artists. We, we don't think that qualifier is entirely necessary. right? We, okay. either, you just want to be an artist. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, contemporary artists are working across many different uh, mediums and cross-pollinating ideas and outputs and all of those things, right? right? So I feel like that uh, term is kind of outdated, right? Just how schools are starting to rethink their degree programs, right, from saying an MFA in sculpture. Right. Just an MFA. Disciplinary. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had that conversation and then we talked about, yeah, does art in the American South look a particular way? Or is it just an idea that we have, uh, continued to frame around, uh, art making in, in a region? Um, but I think it looks like anything and everything,
1: Mm -hmm. you know?
0: I think there are some artists that are definitely thinking about some sort of mythic idea of the South or connected to history. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think there's artists coming out of school that are making work connected to artists in New York or... Or we're connected to an artist in the middle of the country, you know. Maybe an artist working in Savannah is more closely tied to an artist in Lincoln, Nebraska, you know. Um, so maybe it's maybe it's not regional. Maybe it's this idea of um, anywhere America, you know. I don't know. I mean, there are certain certainly issues that are specific to this region, um, but I think um, I don't know why there has been a push over time. I think it's just to categorize. The aesthetic from this area, right. yeah, but I don't, I don't think that's
2: the only aesthetic. I was going to say it's one that's
0: continually pushed,
2: right? But you know, prior to the election, even, but it does seem like the role of the artist has changed, or at least in like discussions, that suddenly you know, the, the activist word uh, starts getting thrown around, and you know, a lot, obviously a lot of people come to art for for very different reasons. But are you noticing that kind of change right now?
0: the type of art that's being made or yeah um some you know i feel like uh conversations about race and um inclusivity right and um positions or perspectives by people of color are being talked about a lot more diversity um so maybe, and you know, and obviously artists, uh, I think who are more inclined to respond politically are doing that even more now with more fervor. Um, but I don't know if I've seen a shift from an artist who let's say was a painter and right. I have a studio practice and this is what I do is now all of a sudden making work about Trump,
2: <laughs> which is hard to do though. Cause I mean, it seems again, correct me. This is just an opinion, but it's, how do you do both? I mean, to me, it's like you either make political art and, right. and you better be stick to that. Because if you then go to something that's frivolous, it says your credibility is gone.
1: <laughs> but then, but then how do you maintain I, maintain the yeah, outrage? Exactly. Yes. You know? <laughs> maintain well, the
2: rage. Right? <laughs> you know, depends what channel you're watching or, yeah. you know, just look on Facebook and you can maintain the rage quite easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I've just been thinking about that, you know, recently, you know, in terms of, you know, what is my role? And yeah, I think it would be a little odd.
0: (laughs) Or what do you, I mean, what are you going to use your voice as an artist for? Does it, does it need to be the out platform or the outlet for that response or is it, you know, on another platform? Um, but yeah, I think more accountability and conversations around accountability and how you use your voice right now are being talked about, you know, like, are you allowed to just be passive right now? Um or is it something we all need to think about is when we have the opportunity for a platform, how are we using it?
2: Right. But I mean, could you, be, you know, whether you're passive, that kind of has a negative connotation to mm-hmm. it in your, say in your art practice, but are there other areas in your life that you, were, you know, right. Walk in the walk, um, you know, and obviously that's, that's right. case specific. Um, well, we're always dipping into notions of creativity and, you know, where that comes from, um, I'm just kind of curious in terms of, like, things like transitions. How do you uh, how do you handle transition? And, I mean, you've had some transitions here we were talking about earlier in terms of, you know, you hear, what, a year and a half? Mm-hmm. So, but you know, like, how, it takes you months or years to put shows together, correct? Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a lot of twists and turns along the way. Yeah. So how, how do you kind of manage that? Or are you just one of these Zen people that's just like, okay, I'm going to go with it and see...
0: You know, I'm very type A, and so my uh, my instinct is to project manage everything to the nth degree, uh-huh. you know, and to plan everything in advance. And I think that's great, and when I can do that, I can do that, but I lately, you know, I have five projects this year, at least. Um, I have tried to become more zen <laughs> with uh, yeah. taking things one day at a time and kind of triaging them, you know, like an exhibition opening in a month, so I'm going to focus on this. Gotcha. and um, And kind of move out from there. But um, it's difficult. It's kind of um, there are moments when I'm in my office and I'm trying to really focus on one task at hand because you know, like today, or in the past few days, I've just really been trying to write because um, I have to switch my brain and not think about anything else. Um, and then there are days when um, all over the place because I'm trying to uh, do ten different things, and I realize that I'm going to be all over the place um, in project management land. Um, so it's hard. Or sometimes I realize I have to take my writing home with oh, me and, yeah. and do that at night because um, I will not um, be free of distractions while I'm here.
2: Um,
0: so it's hard. I think it's mu- it's multitasking all the time.
2: Right, and then yet yeah, in the you know creative realm to be able to supposedly you know be able to switch to turn that on mm-hmm. uh, or to find inspiration I mean I always think like that's my job is to try to find some kind of spark and but otherwise you still have to work you mm-hmm. can't just if you're waiting around for inspiration forget it
1: yeah,
2: um, yeah but I, I think about that like sometimes if I have to write something I either need to hit that first uh, or even even talking like once a couple times we've talked to some folks if I try to do that after a studio day I'm just a more of a blathering idiot than I normally am. <laughs> and I'm already focus. And I'm just, it just amazes me how, um, you know, I mean, everybody has to multitask, but uh, that's interesting. Yeah. like you have like five projects going. I'm trying to imagine that.
0: Yeah, and um, kind of switch your mindset between them, you know? Um, what are you going to do in big chunks and what, I, what can I do in small little snippets? You know? But um, I think that's... Uh, the nature maybe of how um, you know I also think about how the the role of the curator has changed I haven't been a professional curator for a long time really but uh, in the span of
2: my Mm -hmm. professional
0: career but um, you know thinking about how it was a very academic position and at some museums it's still there's still room for it to be a very academic position where you can research and write Um, but now you know it's uh, part fundraising, part Rock star. Public education yeah. and lectures and tours and writing um, and uh, just project managing. Um, so, yeah, it's a very fragmented
2: role. Does it bother you how often that word gets bandied about? I mean, everything now is a curated experience and are you <laughs> yeah, kind of no. just like, uh uh-uh, no, no, it's not?
0: I mean, I think it's silly, but I don't have any um, particular... I mean, I don't have any beef with it. Right. I think it's silly, but I'm not like on some kind
1: of she's, mission. She's to, very like, zen. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> like kill them. I know. She's like, oh, it's all right. So people outside of the art bubble, they don't always, they don't understand the role of a curator, and they don't. And there's really no connection between the dots of okay, how is this stuff on the wall?
0: Right.
1: How did it get here? Why am I looking at it? Why is it important? Mm-hmm. Um.
0: My parents included. (laughs) They have no idea what I do. (laughs) Really? They kind of understand. Yeah. Um, But it took my mom coming here and like walking her around and yeah, saying from everything. So the labels you see on the wall um, (laughs) to the artwork, you know, on the wall to yeah, the way that you're walking through the show. This is my job.
1: You said project management earlier. How much of it is discovery and of new work, of new artists and project management I mean how does it break down you think are you able to do as much as you would like to do in the discovery realm
0: definitely not
1: yeah I don't know that you is could that ever of on
2: your own time is that like you're yeah, continuing I mean, um,
0: you know I'm able to get out to art fairs art fairs are both great and frustrating mm. you know because you can see so much work in a few days and um, totally overwhelm your senses um but it's also just makes you realize how lathered up with the one percent our field is yeah uh, you know especially going to things like miami Basel. right
2: a lot of shiny
0: big and shiny but um you know i would say if i could travel more and look uh and be doing studio visits with artists more in general whether that's in savannah or everywhere um I would definitely love for that to be a bigger percentage of my job. but, um, And it kind of comes and goes in cycles, sure. I think. You know, like right now I have two exhibitions opening in May, so I'm very much in the um, cycle of completing, getting those to the finish line. Um, and then this summer it might be a little more quiet, and then maybe I can do some studio visits again and get back on a schedule of doing that. Um,
2: so, yeah. I, I um, love the notion are uh, talking about studio visits obviously I have them from time to time but like what do you um, you know there's so many different ways to do them there is no right or wrong but you know whether um, you know an artist gives a, a formal statement when you walk in or it's the cold read but um, what do you like what do you kind of expect I know there's that's such a broad yeah. thing but like you know like or what are what are some better studio visits that you you know the name names but like right. what kind of experience do you want there we go Yeah you know, I like, know like, like
0: an ideal studio visit. Um, so it's funny. Okay. Well in general I would say have some food or drink available. Crustini.
1: <laughs> have, some crustini. have some crustini. Some crustini. pimento cheese is yep.
2: always nice.
0: Um something. Yep. Have a seat available.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A masseuse is nice, but not necessarily
0: Just a seat available, you know? Like, if I want to sit down for 30 seconds, you know, just the option to (laughs) sit. You know, last summer, so I broke my ankle really bad. I have nine screws in my ankle.
1: What? (laughs) I did not know about this. Playing roller
0: derby. (laughs) Ah. So, yeah. So I broke my ankle really bad, and I was doing studio visits with an air cast and crutches and... Sometimes there would be no place for me to sit down or no water, you know, and I was sweating. So, at a very basic level, I think just being a gracious, just being a host and being aware that somebody else is coming in your space, that you don't know how their morning or their afternoon right. has gone. They might yeah. be really thirsty. <laughs> um, or they might just need a place to sit down for a second. Um, and then other than that, I would say... Uh, As the artists don't have any expectations of how it's going to go, right? Um, In terms of looking for immediate feedback on something, um, it's always great to look at something in person. If someone is coming out to your studio, I know a lot of, you know, unless this is a video artist, and I know we're going to be looking at stuff on their laptop, but I find it difficult when I've made a point to come out to the studio, and they'll say, "Oh, well." that's wrapped up and in storage or um, I don't have I don't have anything new right now so let's look at stuff on my computer Um, which we could have done anywhere right Um, so finding that balance of being able to you know the act of looking being able to see some of your work in person
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um, is important when someone's blocking off time Um, but I don't know just being being open and, and letting the conversation kind of take its own direction right and sometimes they're short and sometimes they're long, but um, I never go into a studio visit with, um, the idea that there's going to be some sort of, um, contractual arrangement, right. you know, um, I never know how they're going to go. Uh, I really just want to meet the person, you know, if I haven't done a studio right. visit with them, it's an opportunity to meet someone face to face and, um, and hear them talk about their work, which is always exciting, and see where they're making
2: their work, you mm-hmm. know. It's interesting, because it can be such a, like, a Hollywood production. You know, some people want to see the studio, which, again, I think is a, maybe a myth, or in their minds of, you know, the raw space where you're right. doing it, and other people are like, you know, maybe it's too chaotic, or they Right, or some artists want to
0: clean it up so it right. looks like a so gallery. Right, it's like
2: you can't win, whichever, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's I've right. tried it.
0: I've seen it all, you know, yeah. like, I've walked over some crazy stuff on the floor. I uh, bet. <laughs> to, you know, people cleaning up and making it look like a gallery. Um, I think that says more, to about uh, the type of studio practice and who that person is. And I don't know. I'm interested in it all. Um, I did, but what I was going to say, I went to this curators' conference last August, I believe, and um, we compiled. A list of studio visit do's and don'ts from that.
2: I yeah, did you. I did see that. You see
0: that, and I think it was shared around online. So I'll have to. You should share the link again.
2: Okay. Um, because it was, it. it was about
0: twenty curators that a good
2: list, yeah. chimed yeah. in. Um, and food and drink was number one, yeah. which to me is an obvious, you know, thing. I'm amazed how many times I have it and people don't touch it, and I'm right. like, all
0: right, fine. but it's there.
2: Yeah.
0: But it's there.
1: Yeah, I like bringing something to a studio. You know, if you're visiting a studio, an artist's like studio. Like a ham, only. maybe? Or... <laughs> no. Honey baked
2: ham. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just whip
1: this up. A Carvel, <laughs> a Carvel yeah, ice cream cake. Yeah, that's nice. It
2: shows you
1: care. <laughs> Fudgy the whale. Oh. <laughs> um, but So what about a kitchen, kitchen table artist? How do you feel about those visits versus, and how does that...
0: They're just is fine. Are yeah. you know, sometimes Talking we can
1: post studio. I'm, sure. ta- I'm going post studio. <laughs> Felix Gonzalez Torres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All
0: right. Yeah. Sometimes we'll I'll say like let's do a laptop visit and we'll meet at a coffee shop or I'll meet you wherever, but um or we'll meet here in the cafe at the and Talk to me about what you're making right now.
1: And what about the Skype studio visits? How do you feel about those?
0: I don't like looking at myself on Skype. I, I... find that most distracting is like seeing myself tiny in the corner yeah. and I try not to focus on that but um, and, hearing
2: and, and hearing yourself
0: hearing yourself or mm. if you're getting feedback but it's a great way to do a studio visit with artists in another city and you know like I have a show with three artists here in Montreal um, and we've done some Skyping because you know I went up there once this summer to kind of establish and see the work and have our really intensive four days together um, and then our follow ups have been Skype.
1: okay yeah, yeah. But did, to your earlier point, the um, there is this expectation. I, I, as a curator, you're not going to enter with that. But for so many people, again, outside of the art bubble, they're expecting that mythical kind of place that you're talking about, like the sacred space right. where the that's magic a, happens. A stage. Yeah. And 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 the reality is today, that's happening everywhere. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not in. For, for, for a lot of artists for most artists right and so. you're
2: also going back to you know real estate which mm-hmm. it always goes back to you know and who can afford space and you know and again if you're gonna work um, you know whether you have a studio or not you're you know it might be your kitchen table or your corner in a room I mean Definitely. until you know that, that's the thing and I think that's always what separates kind of uh, the herd a little bit because, you know, you do run into people that's like, only I have a bigger space or I have, when I get my, yeah. you know, and no, you're like, no, you, you can't just, you gotta just You gotta
1: work with what you got. Exactly.
0: You know, it's funny. I don't know if you guys have encountered this, but when you ask someone, where's your studio? And you, in that first, like, one second, or at least it used to be, you knew, like, you would get that sigh, like, or that hesitation. Yeah. It was in their home. Yeah, right? And yeah. they didn't want to tell you. Right. Like, yeah. oh, and I'm just asking, it's in my home. Um, but I, that's happening more and more. It's changed. It, it really has. I don't think there's really any stigma anymore about where you're making your work and how. No. Um,
1: and there shouldn't before,
0: be. Before, it would be, oh, right. so where's your studio? And go,
1: well, it was a measure. I live with well,
0: my parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: The. Um, It it was a measure of the financial success Mm -hmm. of your work, your practice, and that's what it was perceived as, and I think that that's over with. I mean, so much is now being shared constantly with social media and... I mean, you can very easily do a studio visit.
0: Yeah. Or I follow so many artists on Instagram. Yeah. And I just get their studio images and I feel like I kind of am following along with what they're working on. Yeah. You know, and it's a really great tool. It
1: is. It is. It is great. And how many curators that have you encountered that are actually leveraging Instagram?
0: I mean, the ones that I'm following, I mean, there's big curators that I follow
1: that, um. Well, to discover work. I
0: think I think most of them are because I think you
1: have to I was amazed recently reading some curators' essays about oh, I think there was one that actually mentioned that as an active part of mm-hmm. her discovery process yeah. yeah but I was surprised at how many were not were not leveraging it I guess yeah you know the studio visits are fun because you get to travel right right yeah so there's that. <laughs> Before we wrap up here, do you recommend, can you recommend in Savannah some stops? Something that that I would, um, if I was just walking around, I would, I would miss.
0: It's hard to think about it walking around, but, um, I would say if you're on social media, check out the hashtag Art912, which is getting used a lot now with, um good frequency uh, and Art912 kind of started as this an outreach from um, us here at Telfair Museums about a year ago and it's to increase the visibility of uh, the arts here in Savannah and so spaces around town and artists are using that hashtag when they post and so you can kind of explore spaces that way. There's also um, this Savannah art map that was put together by um, um, ARC, Artists Resource Collective in Savannah. Um and it's a great if you see it around town, um it, in, it includes all the different types of spaces and studios and nonprofits um and where to find them. Um another great organization that's in town is Art Rise Savannah and that's run by Clinton Edminster. Um and ArtRise is connected with Starlandia, a um used art supply store. Um and they're also a nonprofit nice. that is behind the Art March, um, which happens um on the first Friday every month here in Savannah. So um, there's a really good energy here, and um, a lot of artists that have either been in the community for a while or um, there's kind of a good flow in and out because of the SCAD students that kind of bring energy as they come and go. So, um, yeah, I would definitely start by checking out that Art912 because um, it's been a really great tool and kind of a an opportunity to bring people together around the arts here in the city.
1: Awesome. All right, so um, if you're listening in the future perhaps from brainfuzzpodcast.com I can't tell you what happens next I'm sure I'm sure another insightful episode follows hashtag brainfuzzpodcast and uh, the live stream on K-Chung has been cut
2: I think we've been
1: censored. It's either <laughs> hacking or censorship. Archive, I don't know which one. Uh, yeah,
0: the archive will be available in a few weeks, so um, we'll be able to link to that.
1: <laughs> future uh, archive. Yeah, the future archive. Future archive. That's
2: nice.
0: That's okay. Think about that.
2: <laughs> well, thanks for taking so much time. Oh, Rachel, this has
1: been good. Thank thanks you so for having much. I enjoyed this.
0: Connect with Joe and Matthew and find out more about this and other episodes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. On social media, share your thoughts and comments with hashtag brainfuzzpodcast. Now go and maintain the rage.